Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. We hope it encourages you to live and love like Jesus. I shared with the first service that um, I'm getting over a cold, and so I'm struggling a little bit with my voice this morning, and the comment I made to them was, hopefully this will go quickly for me and for you. Uh, So we'll see. Um, But I want to start by reading our scripture this morning from Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. And so if you have a Bible with you or an app, uh, feel free to follow along or it'll also be on the screen. So hear God's word for us today. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came near and spoke to them. I've received all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. Look, I myself will be with you every day until the end of this present age. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you join me as we pray together? Oh God, we give you thanks for the gift of the day, the gift of this place. We do pray that you would come now, that your spirit would fill this room, that you would quiet our hearts and our minds and open us to the message that you have for us today. Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth would not be my own, but that they would be your words for your church. We pray all these things in Christ's name, amen. So I want to start with a question for you. You can answer it out loud if you want to, but you don't have to. What comes to mind when you hear the word evangelism? And this is one of those times I wish I could read your mind. It's the feared E word, right? Especially, it seems, among United Methodists. We don't like to talk about evangelism. Maybe what comes to mind for you are televangelists that were performing, quote, miracles on on TV late at night or... Uh, Folks going door to door asking if you know who Jesus is. There was a book in 1991 called The Day America Told the Truth. Some of you might be familiar with that book. And in the book, Americans were surveyed about a number of different issues. And one of the things that they were asked about was to rank professions according to the degree of integrity. And so televangelists ranked below lawyers below politicians, below car salesmen. Out of 73 professions that were listed, only organized crime bosses and drug dealers ranked lower than televangelists. Now the point is not that this is from a book that's 30 years old, I get that. The point is that this speaks to the stigma that surrounds the idea of evangelism. Now, I also want to be clear that I'm not talking about evangelicals, evangelical Christians. That's a different thing than evangelism, so I just want to be clear about that um, from the beginning. But maybe it's time for us to rethink evangelism. What what is that? What does that mean? And so that's the task in this two-part series that we're starting today called Invite One. And so today what I want to do is I want to consider the why. Why is it important? And then next week we'll talk about the how. how. How do we share our faith? And so we're looking at this text that I read that is commonly referred to as the Great Commission. 
Now, it's important to know the context of this passage of Scripture. So just before this, Mary and Mary Magdalene had gone to Jesus' tomb, and an angel had appeared to them to say that Jesus had risen from the dead and told them to go and tell the disciples. So they do. They, they go, they're on their way, and Jesus comes and meets them. And Jesus tells the women, go and tell the disciples to meet me in Galilee. And so that's where that passage starts in verse 16. The disciples are now in Galilee. The text tells us there are only 11. And the purpose of that is to remind us of Judas's betrayal. And so this is the first time that the disciples have appeared since they fled at Jesus' arrest. And so he appears to them on a mountain. And it says that they worshiped, but some of them doubted. What a typical mixed reaction from the disciples that we see often throughout the Gospels. But I think it's interesting that the resurrection did not generate any kind of perfect faith, even among those who experienced it firsthand, the people who were right there and and knew about it. And so Jesus was probably sensing some nervous energy among them, and so the text says that he came near. He came near to them. And he clearly states his authority, the authority that he has from God, and then he commissions them. Now, the word commission simply means you have authority to perform a duty. That's what commission means. And so that commission that day was given to the disciples, but it's also been given to us. So I'll come back to that in just a minute. But here is the Great Commission. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teach everyone you meet far and near in this way of life, the things that I've taught you, is what Jesus is saying. And then his very last sentence, I think, is a reassuring promise. It's a a promise that really has the power to change how we live every day of our life, because he said, I will be with you as you do this. The message translation says, day after day after day, right up until the end of the age. So if we consider the word go, the word go that's in the Great Commission. The verb there is really better translated going or as you go. So the thought is we make disciples as we go to work, as we go to school, as we go shopping, wherever. We go all the time, right? But Jesus' go means that we have to agree to an action. It means that we have to accept a little bit of risk to engage with another human being without knowing for sure where it's going to lead. We don't know what the outcome is going to be. Now, statistically, I'm told, if I asked you to raise your hands, and I'm not going to, but if I did, and I asked you to to tell me if you feel like you have the spiritual gift of evangelism, only about 10% of you would say yes. So there's a fair number of us who feel unsure about that. One, because we may not know if we have that spiritual gift, but also because we might feel uneasy with the idea of evangelism at all. But it's important to know that even if we don't have the so-called spiritual gift of evangelism, which is a real thing that some people have, we are all called to it, no matter what. All of us are called to a life of evangelism. But you have to remember that it's called a co-mission, that Jesus joins us as we go. And so the words that he says, I will be with you every day, instead of saying, I'll be with you always, there's a a difference there. And I think that that seems to emphasize this daily nature of his presence with us. 
So what is evangelism? What does that word mean? And, and why is it important? Why do, we, why do we talk about it? Why do we do it? Well, it comes from the Greek word that means to proclaim or share the good news. And so my definition of evangelism is that we are telling the story of Jesus and doing something to bring someone else closer to God through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And if we're convinced that the news about Jesus is really good news, then we can't help but share that with other people. Because we will never, never lock eyes with another human being that does not matter to God, ever. And so, Sharing the story of what God has done for us then allows us to partner with God in transforming the world. The way I like to think of it is this, that evangelism is really 90% God's part and about 10% ours. We still have a role to play, but God is the one that does all of the preparation. God is the one that opens hearts and minds and eyes and ears. In the Wesleyan tradition, we would call that provenient grace, that people are not forced to believe, but they want to believe because of God moving within them. And so evangelism is not, it is not something that we do to people. It is something that we do with the gospel. Jesus never intended for us to manipulate people. No. And and that is what it has become in some places. But that is not the intent. Jesus' intent is that we have a relationship of trust with people. A lot of times those are connections that will mean sacrifice for us, they'll mean service, they could possibly mean a whole lot of our time. But as we begin to offer our witness of how Jesus has changed our life, how how Jesus has transformed us, then other people become intrigued by that. And so it's less about having a perfect presentation and it's more about being genuine with people. Because the best invitations really come through personal relationships, not so much going door to door. And we'll talk more about the how next week. A few weeks ago, the the pastors and a few of the laity here from our church went to annual conference. Annual conference is a meeting that happens every year where the North Texas Conference of the United Methodist Church, all of us gather together for a few days to do business, to worship, to learn together. And this year, the keynote speakers um, spent a lot of time helping us understand Gen Z. Gen Z is the generation of, of, of people who are currently ages between like 8 and 24-ish or so. And that's important to talk about because they are the rising generation of church members and church leaders. And so it's important for us to know who they are and how to connect with them. They shared excellent information, excellent information. Um, very, very relatable, um, helpful, tangible things. And one of the things they did was they included a lesson for us on their slang that Gen Z uses, like saying something is lit or bet that up. I mean, weird stuff, okay? I'm not one, so, but I have two children who are. Um, And I'll stop there. It is interesting, though. But one illustration that they used involved talking about the frequency of sound and, and this idea that our natural high frequency hearing loss happens as we age, as we get older. And so I'm not gonna do this today, but there they actually played different variations of frequencies for us to see how many could hear each one. Um, And this is something that you can do online at home. I've done it a few times and it really is a real thing. I actually did it again yesterday. I can still hear the one for the under 50 crowd 
Uh, 40 and under, not so much. Um, but there is actually one frequency that people over 18 years of age cannot hear at all. And so the point that they made with that illustration was that there is an entire generation that's hearing God's voice in a frequency that many of us cannot hear. And so it's, it's our task and our role as the church then to help usher them into a space of recognizing God's voice for what it is and then do something beautiful together. In addition to those keynote speakers, there were also a few um, Gen Z voices, people in that generation who shared their own experience that they've had with the church. There was one young man who was in his 20s, his early 20s, and he said, this moment right now, as he was standing there talking, he said, this moment is the first time I've been in a church in over two years. I left because the church looked more like the world than it did Jesus who turned the world upside down. And so me, my friends, we don't come back. And his encouragement, his advice really to us was, he said these words, leave these walls. Leave these walls and go and be the hands and the feet of Jesus as you seek out the unchurched. Friends, I think there's a lot of great wisdom there, and not just for, for Gen Z, although I do think we need to show commitment in specifically reaching them, but people are searching. People are searching, but they likely are not going to walk through those doors uninvited. It's just not really a thing very much anymore. And so when we are open to meeting people where they are and letting God work through us, then great things will begin to happen because the world needs the truth that you and I carry around every day. But isn't it sometimes easier for us to hang on to that truth rather than to re risk the rejection that we might meet by offering it to people around us? One of my very best friends in high school uh, was not a professing Christian. We spent a lot of time together, especially our junior and senior year of high school except for church. I didn't hide my faith from her by any means, um, but I was active in two youth groups in high school. I was active in worship in my home church growing up, and so she knew where I was on Sunday mornings, Sunday nights, and usually Wednesday nights, at a minimum every week. But I never clearly invited her to come be a part of it with me. And I've thought a lot about that since then. Why? Why is that? And I think if I'm honest, it's because I had a, a fair amount of fear about rejection of what do I say? I don't want to impose. What if she tells me no? I don't want to do that. Well, since then, she has actually come to have a great, a great faith. Ironically, she married a pastor. And we keep up on Facebook, and um, she, she shines her light brightly in that space on social media, and when I see it often, I think back and I have a little bit of a sting of regret in my heart because I, I could have, I should have done better. And so evangelism reminds us what it means to live a life of love, a life of love for God and a, a life of love for our neighbor, and if you note, the, the instruction that Jesus gives is not just to make the disciples, but 
to incorporate them into the community of faith through baptism. And so what that means is we have to intentionally seek out those who don't have a faith community and invite them into it so that they can then have a place to grow in their faith. Because really, the church is the only organization that exists for those who are not yet a part of it. An interesting way to think about it, but it's true. And most people will accept the invitation if they're asked. But I think it's also important to know that there are many who do not see the church, and in this instance by church, I mean this building that we're sitting inside of, those of you who are here in person, Most people don't see this as a public space, and so they are not going to come in without being invited. The whole build it and they will come mentality, if you remember Field of Dreams, the baseball movie from the 80s, that's not realistic in this situation because we can't only depend on two Sunday worship services to do the primary work of what we're seeking to accomplish as a church. It just, it doesn't work like that. Sharing our faith is the main business of the church, and now by church I mean Christians, which is all of us. Evangelism is not an option for us. For Christians, for churches, we have a responsibility. We have a calling. And so we have to remember that we are not consumers. We are not consumers. We are missionaries. Because we cannot entertain consumers into becoming disciples, nor can people consume their way into following Jesus. And so we have to stop thinking of the church as a consumable product that exists for me, that exists for our own personal benefit. We can't settle for that. We can't settle for being mere consumers of our faith because our life of faith should make a difference in the world, outside of here. And God continues to renew creation through every new generation of Christians. And so as we come alongside other people, as we share our faith, as we invite them to join us, it's then that we grow in grace. And it's really about maintaining a a teachable spirit. A teachable spirit, because that helps us to engage with other people in ways that are meaningful. Last week, Pastor Dale talked about the idea of God doing a new thing. God is doing a new thing in this place. And I am absolutely believing and counting on it. Are you? Yes, we're getting a new pastor, and that's a new thing. But it's more than that. My question for you is, are you excited about the next chapter for Stonebridge? Friends, I'll be the first to tell you that it has been a challenging season lately for many reasons. But we have to believe in what God is doing here enough to invite other people to come and be a part of it. And I need to say that if you wait, if you wait on me and John and perhaps the staff to do that, that's a complete non-starter, friends. The Great Commission cannot and it will not happen the way that Jesus intended until everyone actively participates in making disciples. And I want to be clear, I'm not saying that we reach out to other people to get more members in the church. That is not what I'm saying. What I am saying is we reach out to other people because we really believe that we have something to offer that's of infinite and eternal value. Something that is good news, something that we are blessed to be stewards of. And we want to boldly offer that gospel to the world. Friends, it's time. 
It's time, and so let's get after it. I love this church, which means I love you. I love you, and I'm passionate about making this a great place, and I know that you are too. I know that. And so this idea of invite one is not just something we do during a sermon series. This is something we do all the time. Because we have a mission field that is ripe all around us, and it's our privilege. It is our privilege to introduce others to the God that knows them and loves them. And so I have a prayer that we're gonna put on the screen. We're gonna leave it up for just a few moments. I'd invite you to take a photo of it if you'd like to. Um, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna read it for you as, you as you look through it with me. Lord, lead me to someone who needs you. Use me as an instrument of your love and grace. And as I share my faith, move in my heart. And with your help, I will take the next step and invite, you fill in the blank, to Stonebridge. This is something that's between you and God. This is simply a reminder for all of us of the calling that we have. But think about that. Who do you know? Who do you know who needs to hear about Jesus? Who is it in your life that maybe you've been thinking, I really need to say something? Or you just have a feeling that if you would make one little invitation, they would say yes. And it doesn't have to be to worship on a Sunday morning. If you're in a small group, invite them to that. Invite them next week to come have pancakes with you. That's a non-threatening thing. Even more non-threatening, invite them to live stream the worship service online. That's my challenge to you in the month of July is to invite one person to be a part of something with you. Because my hope is that this is a place where we all want to come and certainly experience the love and the hope and the grace of Jesus, but the love and the grace that we show is what will bring people here. Our only purpose is not just to, to gather every week those of us who are already convinced and reinforce our beliefs every Sunday. That's a great thing, but the purpose is to bring people closer to Jesus, to love them, to expose them to grace. And so the goal of evangelism is not for someone to walk away with the, quote, right doctrine. Doctrine is important. But the right gospel should drive us to love other people more, not less. Move us toward people, not away from them. Move us to condemn less and love more. Propel us toward kindness and patience. It should break our hearts for those who are far from Jesus. It should drive us to serve other people and look for nothing in return. Faith sharing is God's idea. God started the whole process. And Jesus doesn't call people to a religion. Jesus calls people to himself. And so we have an opportunity. We have an opportunity to make the good news come alive to make it a reality for those who are seeking hope, and there are many who are doing that. Because it is indeed good news. Our mission is rooted in the promise of the continuing presence of the risen Christ. And so Jesus sends us, Jesus sends us, and that should give us confidence and assurance and purpose in our everyday lives. Because when we live a God-sent life, that means that we are ready to demonstrate our faith by speaking, by acting, by loving on behalf of God and the world. Jesus does not abandon us. 
In fact, Jesus is here now. He is in our midst, and he will empower us to fulfill the commission that he has given to us. And so let's be ready. Let's be ready to ask people to say yes to the living God who has already said yes to each one of us. Thanks be to God. Thank you for listening to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. You are invited to worship with us every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. For more information, visit our website, mysumc.org. Have a blessed day.